0: book of psalms in chapter 96 you can be seated chapter 96 it says oh sing to the lord a new song sing to the lord all the earth sing to the lord bless his name proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day declare his glory among the nations his wonders among all peoples for the lord is great and greatly to be praised he is to be feared above all gods the gods of the peoples are idols but the Lord made the heavens honor and majesty are before him strength and beauty are in his sanctuary give to the Lord O families of the peoples give to the Lord glory and strength give to the Lord the glory due his name bring an offering and come into his courts O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness tremble before him all the earth I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. And what a great privilege and honor it is this morning to be able to to give back unto the Lord that in which a portion that he has trusted with. If you're watching online, there's the ability you can also give online. But for those that are here right now, what a sweet presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. We are so fortunate that God chooses to reside within us how humbling that that has to be let's go to him in prayer father we thank you lord we thank you so much lord thank you for the presence of your holy spirit that's in this place lord we thank you that we can come together and worship you we thank you lord we can come together in times of worship Lord, we give back unto you a portion that you've trusted us with. God, we just ask you to take this, Lord, and multiply it. Lord, take this offering and multiply it so we can continue to serve our local community. Lord, that we can continue helping through the Dream Center. Lord, that we can continue helping in missions. Father, we just ask for your blessings on this offering. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Over the years at Dream Center Peoria, we've
1: tried to show dignity, compassion, and purpose to whoever walks through the Dream Center doors. And so we wanted to take that model and try and expand it. I'm standing right now at the Bradley Coliseum. October 23rd, we want to welcome you here to experience something that you'll never forget. Love Peoria is going to be launched the night of October 23rd. We have special guest Bob Goff here speaking. And that night, you'll hear a challenge of how we can impact this city and show dignity, compassion and purpose to your neighbours, your friends and everyone around you. So join us here at the Bradley Coliseum October 23rd. It'll be a night you'll never forget.
0: So I have just a couple more announcements for you. So when is Love Peoria? This Tuesday, right? This Tuesday. And where is it?
2: Bradley Coliseum. That's
0: right. If you come here, the doors will be locked. You'll be like, I can't get in. It's at Bradley Coliseum. So this Tuesday is Love Peoria. If you do not have a ticket yet, you can go to lovepeoria.com and get a ticket. You will be blessed. You will be so glad you went. And my next announcement is regarding next Sunday. Next Sunday, there's going to be some sign-up sheets. Because how many of you know that we love Christmas? We love to be doing fun things here at the church, fun things in the community. And the, and the reason I'm asking to, to mention this is because next week there's going to be some sign-up sheets. And it's going to be to help either at will Like Peoria or a sign-up sheet for, what else are we going to do? Ladies Bloom, right? Maybe Ladies Tea, you can be a part of that. Also, we're going to have a sign-up sheet. Uh, you can be a part of the Santa Claus Day Parade. So w- there's going to be a lot of different opportunities in which you can uh, be a part here at Riverside. Now, as you probably already know with from the, from the flags that are hanging up and that Robert's up here today with his mission shirt on, today is Mission Sunday. And so you are going to be so encouraged. If you were here first service, or if you were watching online first service, you already have you already know that th- this service is already going to be fantastic. Um, you know our missions team. We, we try our very best. Um, you know we bring in some of the best missionaries from all around the world, and today is no exception. Um, if if by chance if you are here today and you're on our missions leadership team. Because they're kind of scattered throughout. Would you mind standing up just so the congregation can see you and know who you are? So these folks, yeah, these folks are standing up. All right, you can be seated. Thank you. Um, but I want you to know who's on the missions leadership team. So if you have questions about missions, you know who to go to because we're here to serve you. Another per- Another group of people I was going to have stand up is if you have been... On a Riverside missions trip in the past, can you? Well, I guess it had to be the past. It couldn't be in the future. Yeah. All right. If if no time travelers here today, right? All right. So if you have been on a Riverside missions trip, can you stand up? And I want everybody to look around. Yes. Look, at all the people. Wonderful. Thank you. Please be seated. Well, I, I and again, I only wanted to share that because after service, not now, after service, maybe someone in your section, you can go and talk to them and learn a little bit about missions or maybe about their missions experience or where they went or what they did and learn a little bit. Now, another thing I was going to mention, I know some of you are eyeballing my shirt. You're like, that's a really cool shirt. I wish. You probably woke up this morning and you're like, I I don't have a shirt like that. Well, today might be your lucky day. And here's why. We have not very many, and we don't have all sizes. And after service, if we have your size, again, we don't have all sizes. And if we don't run out, because we don't have a whole lot, we have some. We still have some shirts left, so we're uh, at our missions table. Come see us. If we have your size, we will give you a shirt. As long as you promise to wear it. That's all there is to it. That's a pretty easy catch, right? All right, so hopefully you can... Um, Get your shirt on the way out. Also, at the table in the lobby, um, if you have ever wanted to get more information about going to Brazil, there's a sign up sheet there. In, in the spring, there's going to be a trip going to Brazil. And so we still have some spots available. You can sign up. And then Ken Palmer will reach out to you and answer all your questions. So the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce our very guest speaker. And as, as he makes his way up here today, I just want you to know that, you know, years ago I met Ben, thank you, and, you know, in that exact moment, it was about five years ago, and and the timing just wasn't quite right where we could really partner with Ben. However, through the years, four and a half, five years now, I've known Ben, and we've, you know, emailed back and forth, and I've kept in touch with him, and I've I've watched God use him already um, in in a place that most of us are like, I don't want to go there because it's hot, and it's hot there, right? It is hot. Uh, or, or places. But we always have excuses. But he went anyway. And so through the years, you know, I learned uh, not long ago that Ben was going to be back here in the U.S. And I learned he was going to be in Illinois at the same time in which we're going to have our mission Sunday. And I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful to invite Ben to come in and share with Riverside about what God is doing in and through him and his family in Indonesia? You don't even know where that's at. Um, I, I do because I, yeah, I googled it today. So, all right. So let's give a, a great big welcome, Riverside welcome to Ben Struss.
2: Well, good morning. It's great to be here this morning. It's my privilege to be able to share an update and what God is doing in Indonesia. And um, so I have to be honest with you guys. I've, we, me and Pastor Robert, we scheduled this service. Really, months ago, I think back in in May, and uh, and and God has highlighted this service. Okay, I got a we, we have a pretty full schedule, and we're at churches every single Sunday, but there's something special. You know, for some reason, just God put in my heart it's an expectation of what He wants to do here at Riverside, and and I was reminded of that again on my drive in. You know, I was I I, I left my house this morning at about seven a.m. and. It was 23 degrees outside. What is going on with that, right? Some of you that are here at the later service, you you didn't know that it was 23 degrees when you woke, you know, before you came out your front door. But it was cold and I was driving in and I was just, I was praying as I was preparing for what to share this morning. And God just put that word on my heart, expectation. And my question this morning is, do we have an expectation of what God wants to do in this service this morning? I know that oftentimes I mean, you have you have a missionary guest every six months. You highlight missions, and, and sometimes missions can become this ordinary thing, something that we drop our faith promise in the offering basket every six months. We, we give on that faith promise. We give in the missions offering, and, and then we kind of forget about it. But I, I, I believe that the mission service that you have every six months is one of the most important Sundays of the entire year. I believe that the Mission Sunday gives us an opportunity to see the kingdom of God advance and accelerated throughout the world. That, that there's this, you know, there's this task for world missions that God has given us a task in Matthew chapter 24, 14. It says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then. The end will come. Matthew twenty-eight, 18, we'll see in a second, it says that, um, that to go into all the world and preach the gospel. It says in Acts chapter 1, 8, it says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. That this is the task that each of us has and, and the role that we play in it, the, the amount that, that we put later on our faith promise, how, how we begin to dream this morning, it can accelerate the completion of the task of world missions. And you know what it says in Matthew chapter 20, uh, 24, 14, and then the end will come. I, I don't know about you guys, but I am ready for the Lord Jesus to return and for him to set up his kingdom, for us to bring us all home, for him to enter, into, to enter in the world and, and, and to fix everything that's been broken. So this morning, I just want to pray before we get started. That God would just give us that sort of holy expectation for what, what He wants to do here at Riverside, God. We thank you for an opportunity to gather. God, we know that there's countless millions in the world that are in fear fear this morning, God, as they gather together, not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing what the authorities might do. And, Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have the freedom this morning to, to gather to worship, Lord. And I pray this morning, God, that you would put a dream inside of people's hearts, God, a dream for for what they could accomplish through their missions giving and through their prayers, God, dreams for church plants and for medical clinics and for orphanages, God, and, and dreams for what you want to do both here and here. Peoria and to the uttermost ends of the earth, God. Burst something inside of each of us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, my uh, family could not be here with me this morning. In fact, my wife is at another church, probably speaking right now as I'm speaking. So unfortunately, you're stuck with me. She's a lot prettier than I am. But here's my family. Uh, My wife, Kathleen, uh, we've been married for um, seven years. And then my son, this is Caleb. Caleb's four and a half. And then Levi is two. And so we... Um, We've been missionaries in the country of Indonesia for four and a half years, and many of us, when I share about Indonesia, don't even know where Indonesia is. Now, I'm sure Robert, he knew Indonesia, He's, he's looked at it before, but he was trying to get a refresher this morning, you know, on his Google Maps. Where exactly? Where exactly? So I, some of you right now may be on your phone looking, where is this country? Well, Indonesia is actually the fourth largest nation in the world, okay? All of us, of course, have heard about China, India, and the United States, but number four in population with a quarter of a billion people is the country of Indonesia. It has 17,000 islands that spread from India down to Australia, and on these islands are literally hundreds of unique ethnic groups that speak over 300 different languages And probably the thing that's most shocking to people is Indonesia is actually the largest Muslim majority country in the world. There there are actually more Muslims in Indonesia than the entire Middle East combined. And so this is where our family moved to four and a half years ago. And I'll never forget the day. Okay, I was uh, 25 years old at the time. been married for about two and a half years and and i had a, a six-month-old baby and we were getting ready for the adventure of our life we showed up to chicago o'hare international airport we were loaded down we had about 12 pieces of luggage we had a car seat pack and play the stroller i mean you can imagine right if you're taking a day trip to chicago and you're a young family like you pack up your entire you know trunk of your car so imagine now you're flying to indonesia my mom and my dad were there, okay, and and my mom can get kind of emotional, and so my mom's standing there, she's crying, and and and, and, I, and my dad's trying to hold it together, and I go over to console my mom. I'm, I go over and give her a hug. I'm like, Mom, don't. It's okay. We'll we'll you know we'll be back in a, in a couple years, and and she's crying, and she says to me, Ben, it's okay if you and Kathleen go, just don't take the baby. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Some of you grandparents in the room like, yep, sounds about right. And uh, then we got on a plane ride for 24 hours, and about halfway through, I thought to myself, maybe I should have left the baby, all right? I mean, if you want to become more like Jesus, take my two boys on a 24-hour plane ride and economy class on United Airlines. Yeah. Enough said, right? You'll become more like Christ. And so we showed up to Indonesia. We walked through the front doors of the international airport in Jakarta. And when we walked out the front doors, I mean, we were met with 100% humidity. It was 90 degrees outside. It was 11 p.m. at night. There were people everywhere. I couldn't understand a word anyone was saying. I couldn't read anything. And this was our first time ever stepping foot on Indonesian soil. And you would think right? This was like the climax of our journey, and you would think that at that moment I would be filled with, you know, so much hope and so much expectation and, and, and all that, but the reality is, is at that moment I remember feeling so small and, and so insignificant. The voice of fear and doubt and, and the voice of discouragement started ringing in my ears, and I thought to myself, what did I just do? I mean, did we hear from God? Is this what God really wants us to do? And Really, those feelings, they continued on for about six months to a year, and shortly after arriving in Indonesia, my mentor, he, uh, he, we, we stayed with him for about two weeks, and after two weeks, he thought we were ready to, uh, you know, to, to launch out on our own, and so he drove us two and a half hours uh, to a small Indonesian village, and he said to us, you have the task of learning the culture and the language and he patted us on the back and said good luck and he went back home all right and so we're there in this indonesian village and um, we moved into this house and anytime you move into a, a new house like you're getting used to the sounds and you're getting used to like how things work and you know for us I, honestly I don't even know if I knew where I was on the map and so we move into this house I, it, was, it was nighttime and and there's lizards crawling on the wall and there's cockroaches and it had this this musty moldy smell like the house hadn't been lived in for you know maybe six months to a year there's kind of like mold growing and stuff and and I remember my wife that night, it was about 5 o'clock p.m., she was giving our son Caleb a bath, and she's in the bathroom, and she turns on the faucet. All of a sudden, I hear this screeching scream, and, and I run in to see a scorpion that came out of the, the drain of the bathroom, was running across the floor, and, and then we put our son Caleb to bed, and we thought, okay, finally, we can kind of relax, all right? We go out to our living room, we're sitting on two of the sofas, and and all of a sudden, we started seeing these ants that were, like, crawling all over the floor. And it, there wasn't just a few of them. There were literally hundreds of ants, big, black carpenter ants that were kind of like these psycho ants that were kind of going all over the place every which direction. I had no idea where they were coming from. And, and, and so then we went to our bedroom, and the next morning we woke up to hundreds of ants dead all across our living room floor, all across our kitchen, and we would sweep them up. And, and this went on, really, for a week and a half until I did what any good millennial missionary would do, I googled, how do I kill these ants? And so, I armed myself with a can of Raid, and I went around every corner of the house, till finally I found two ant nests in our kitchen, and I kid you not, for an hour and a half straight, ants came out of these ant nests, thousands of them, but their first accomplishment in Indonesia was conquering the ants. So don't despise small beginnings. Now the ants have moved back in and my kids play with them and they you know, make moats and wa- drown them in water. They burn them with their little magnifying glass, what boys do. And, but in that moment, I remember like thinking to myself, this is what every day of my life is going to be like for the next four and a half years. I, I thought this is, this is what I signed up for. The, The the challenges, the adversity, this is kind of, I tell this story because one, it's funny, but two is I believe that a lot of times most of us can maybe find ourselves in the story of the ants. At at times in our lives when we face adversity and challenges, there's times in our life when we're we're on journey with God and and God's given us a mission, but then we face challenges and adversity and it causes us to want to give up. It causes us to want to throw in the towel. It causes us to want to give up on our marriages, on our kids, on our families, on our jobs, on our schoolwork, or, or whatever. And it's in those moments of challenge and adversity that what I've found keeps our family going is our mission. That mission is all about why you're here and whenever you understand that God has you here for a purpose, whether you're facing challenges or you're facing great prosperity, there's something about that that keeps you moving. Now, as I've been back in the United States over the last six months, um, I've just been amazed at how quickly our culture has changed and how quickly the culture has progressed to a point um, that. Sitting in your seats, right, as, as, as people that are, are living on this mission field, you're living in an incredibly challenging time. A time where your faith is being challenged, a time where your, where your morals and your conscience is being challenged, a time where whenever you stand up and you speak for Christ, it 's not just rejected. But it's almost scorned. It's, it's almost like you're, you're being ostracized to, the, you know, to, to this fringe of society and told that you can't even believe these things anymore. You're not a normal person. All these things. And, and I believe that this generation, you have to have a strong sense of mission. Otherwise, you'll just give up. You'll say, what's it worth? I'm just going to throw in the towel. And, and so I feel like it's incredibly important for us to have that inside of us, knowing that God's called each of you to this mission field. And when you want to give up, remind yourself of that of, of that call and of those promises. For us in Indonesia, over after about six months, I began asking God, what's, what's the mission for our family specifically in Indonesia? And what God began to speak to me is that we're called to help people along their spiritual journey of moving from where they are to where God wants them to be. Now, of course, in, in, in many ways, this is... Uh, a mission, I believe, could all get behind, right? That we're all called to that. Um, I want to quickly read a, a verse of scripture from Matthew chapter 28. Of course, we know in Matthew chapter 28, these are the last words of Jesus before he ascends into heaven. Essentially, what Jesus is doing in Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20, is he's handing the baton and the mission and the vision to the disciples. And let's read it together. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." So what Jesus is telling the disciples is, I want you to go out and rescue the lost. I, I want you to baptize people. I, I want you to, to go out and, and, and show them who God is. I, I want you to teach them everything I've commanded you. Help them in their spiritual journey to grow and discover purpose. And, and ultimately, I want you to go out into the world and make the greatest impact this world has ever seen. Essentially, what Jesus is telling them is I want you to help lead people from where they are to where God wants them to be. And for us in Indonesia, the first way we do this is by helping people to know God. Probably the most basic thing we do as missionaries is bringing Jesus to people. One of the things that moved our family, people ask all the time, why did you go to Indonesia? It's because I wanted to be somewhere where the gospel had never been preached. Um... One concept that's really gripped our hearts in Indonesia more than anything else is what I call never-reached people groups. Never-reached people groups. And some of you are like, what exactly is that? In Indonesia, we have literally hundreds of distinct ethnic groups. They have a common culture, customs, language, and they live in a single geographical area. In our case, that's usually an island. And 227 of these people groups or ethnic groups are totally Unreached, And they've never, I say the word never reached because they've never heard the gospel. And uh, if I lost you there, all right, let me help you this way. I often like to make a distinction between the lost and the unreached. We all understand what a lost person is, somebody that, that doesn't know Jesus yet. Somebody that hasn't made a commitment to following him. All of us know lost people. We have lost friends, lost family members, lost people we see at school, We go to, we work with, we see at the grocery store. But all of these lost people have something in common. They have people like you and like me that can tell them about Jesus. Now in Indonesia... When I'm talking about these never-reached people groups, I'm talking about people that will go their entire life, they will live and they will die without ever seeing a church, without ever meeting a Christian, without ever hearing about Jesus unless someone goes and tells them. In Indonesia, this is roughly 140 million people. To illustrate this, every year our family tries to take a mission trip, and I know how that sounds. It's kind of ironic, right? Like you're missionaries taking a mission trip. But um, we try to take a mission trip. And uh, one year, about two years ago, I was a part of a team that went to the Maluku Islands in Indonesia. And, and to get there, um, we left our city. in, in uh, our city. we took an eight-hour flight to the island of Ambon. We got to the island of Ambon, we got out of the plane and onto a boat on an overnight ferry to the island of Seram. When we got to the island of Seram, we took a 12 hour van ride across the island over a mountain, and then when we got there, we got into the back of this dump truck that took us up two hours up the side of a volcano into the jungle until finally we reached our destination, okay? The, the small Indonesian village called Siahari. Siyahadi is a village of, um, of roughly 400 people, and we were the first ones to ever preach the gospel there. These people had never heard about Jesus. That they, they, We were the first one after, you know, maybe sometimes you wonder, after 2,000 years, how could there still be people like this? After 2,000 years of, of gospel proclamation, of churches being planted, of, uh, of televised Christianity, of radio programs, of the technology like the internet, how could there still be villages like Siyahari? Some people are unreached simply because they're difficult and hard to get to. When we went there and we preached the gospel, many gave their lives to Christ. I can report today that there's been a church that's been established, there's been a school that's been built, there's been solar panels that have been installed, there's been water that's been brought in, that God has done an incredible thing. These people are unreached. They're not unreached because they don't want Jesus. They're unreached because no one's ever gone to tell them. You know, whenever we left that village, they weren't asking for us to to dig a well. They weren't asking us to build something. You know what they were asking for? They were saying, send us someone that can tell us more about Jesus. If you've ever wondered, you know, why do we do the faith promise? It's because we need to continue sending laborers to go proclaim the gospel in the mission field. We help people along their spiritual journey. Number one, to know God. Number two, is helping people to discover their purpose. It's incredible. Whenever people understand their design, their gifts, talents, how God, their spiritual gifts, it begins to reveal their destiny, what God has called them to do. And and our, um, about a year and a half ago, our family made a major life transition. We were, uh, for about two years in Indonesia, we were working with a veteran missionary doing campus ministry. We we saw God do incredible things. We had many Bible studies with Muslim uh, young people. We saw many people baptized, but after two years, we were being launched out with the goal of planting a church. And we moved to a city called Bogor, West Java. Bogor, I had heard, was a city that was known for being more radically Muslim. And uh, it turns out that in 2015, Bogor was named one of the most intolerant cities in all of Indonesia. Our city, to put it in perspective, has 750 mosques. In less than twenty-five churches. It's a city of one and a half million people. It's a part of the Greater Jakarta area, which is thirty-five million people. Twenty-five churches. I mean, I'm guessing there's probably a hundred churches here in Peoria, if not more. And so we moved there and we wanted to plant a church and we didn't know exactly where to start. I'd never gone through like a church planter's boot camp or 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 took, you know, a class on how to plant a church. But we thought we're we 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 have Got to start somewhere. And so we thought, for, let's begin with a Bible study. If we could gather you know, 10, 15 people, it would be a huge win. This could begin sort of our launch team. And, and so we began uh, putting out invitations. We were inviting everybody we knew, everybody we met. We were putting invitations out on Facebook, Instagram, and finally showed up. We had, had a meeting on Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. And I had no idea who was going to show up. I, I didn't know, if, I knew for sure there's going to be four people there. Me, Kathleen, Caleb, and Levi, all right? <laughs> it's like, at least there's going to be four of us. That day, we had 60 people show up, the small group. I mean, there were people all over our house. They were, they were like upstairs, downstairs. They were using my kids' bedrooms. They were in my bedroom. They were like in the, on our front porch. We had, we had all these people, kids running around everywhere. That night, we had five small groups that we started. And, and I remember when everybody left... And I was looking around our house. The first thing I noticed is our house was a disaster, right?
0: But after that, I
2: turned to my wife and I said, honey, we accidentally planted a church. It's been incredible to see what God has done in such a short amount of time. If you, if you want to know, like, what's, what's the secret? How, how did they have that kind of success? The secret is we're starting a church where there is nobody else. (laughs) So that's the secret, right? Like we're in a city where there are not very many churches and people, it's not that they don't want to know Jesus. They're hungry for the gospel, but someone's got to go and do it. And um, when we, uh, um, shortly after that, we said, we knew we were coming back to the U.S. We said anybody that wants to commit to being a part of our launch team we call it our dream team. Could, could join and be a part. And so, right now, we have a team of thirty five people. Um, we call them our dream team. These are the people that we believe are going to make the dream of starting a church in two thousand nineteen become a reality. And what's been incredible is is seeing these people that that you know a year and a half ago had no dream, no ambition, no uh, no ideas or vision to plant the church. Now saying we believe. God's calling us and giving us a purpose of making this happen. These are teachers, these are um, businessmen, these are uh, moms. In fact, we have refugees on our team, and God is using them to do incredible things. Whenever we realize our purpose, we begin to make an incredible impact. We're helping people in their spiritual journey. Number one, to know God. Number two, to discover their purpose. And I believe that the greatest thing anybody could do with their life is to make a difference, to make an impact. There's lots of things we can aspire to in our life. We can, ha- we can start businesses, we can make lots of money, we can, um, we can travel the world, but really I believe the thing that brings the most joy and fulfillment is whenever we dream beyond ourselves and we say, I'm going to be a part of advancing the kingdom. And I believe that the way that we're going to do this in our city is by planting a church, I believe the church is the hope of the world and that when we plant the church, it's going to make a difference. When we uh, moved to our city, we took a couple vision trips first. And When we went, we were just praying over the city and asking God if this is where he would have us serve for the next 25 to 30 years. It's a big commitment, right? That's what we're thinking. And so we're praying over the city. And I remember as we were praying, our family sat down to dinner one night at around 5 p.m., and all of a sudden I heard this sound go out across the city. It's a sound that we hear five times a day. We hear it at 5 o'clock in the morning when we wake up. We hear it at 7 p.m. before we go to bed. And during the the, the most holy day of the year in Islam, we hear it all night long. But at that moment, something happened inside of my spirit and and I had this realization at that moment there were literally millions of people in our city bowing their knee to a false god of a false religion a god that can't hear them and can't answer them And, and and I don't know about you but I believe what the scriptures say and in Indonesia it goes like this it says I will build my church And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That we believe that as the church is established, that the church is going to push back the demonic forces in our city. That we're going to see people saved and won to Jesus. We're going to see people set free from their sin, from their addictions, from family and generational curse. We're going to see people discovering their purpose. And ultimately, we're going to see God use the church to make an incredible difference. Amen. I often put it this way. Imagine for a moment that you were to take Riverside Community Church and you were to uproot it from Peoria, Illinois, and you were to place it anywhere in Southeast Asia. You were to take it and put it in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, or you were to take it and put it in Seoul, South Korea, Bangkok, Thailand, or imagine You were to take this church and you were to place it in Bogor, West Java, Indonesia. How many know that this church would make an incredible difference? It's because the church is the hope of the world. And and what our family is, is your hand extended in Bogor. And so this morning, I told you all about what we do as missionaries and now we come to the question about how can you engage in world missions? And of course, God may be calling some of you to go. But I realize that as I travel, the majority of you, uh, God has called to plant yourself right here where you're at and to make a difference here. But that doesn't, that, that doesn't mean that we're not supposed to engage in missions all around the world. And I believe one of the most practical ways that we can engage in missions Is through giving. And this morning, adoring your your missions emphasis Sunday, of course, in a moment, you'll take up an offering. And and 100% of what you give is going to plan a church in Bogor this morning. uh, We're raising $85,000 to launch a church in 2019 when we return to Indonesia. And that, what you give, is going to make an incredible impact. But second, probably one of the most practical things you can do to see the gospel advance is right here and their missions faith promise. Now I wanted to talk just briefly about this. um, and then we're going to pray, but the missions faith promise God has been just this week has been challenging my heart on what, what significance does this hold? And in fact, on, on, on Wednesday night, I I was on a plane ride coming home from uh, Fort Myers, Florida and the pastor of, of the church in Fort Myers, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty well-known pastor. His name is Pastor Dan Betzer. He gave me a book, and he said that if you'll read this, you'll be blessed. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll, anytime, he's 80 years old. So I'm like, I'll listen to you. All right, I'll, it has a blessed church. So I began to read it, and I realized something, that, that everything I was going to share to you this morning about regarding this faith promise, I had to basically throw out the window, and here's why. Oftentimes we look at this as being a pledge. Now there's a big difference between a pledge offering and a faith promise offering. Now this is important. Some I mean, of you're thinking that you're just talking semantics. It's not really that important. This is extremely important because a faith a, a, a pledge offering it makes you responsible. It says, okay, I'm going to look at my budget. I'm going to look at my finances. I'm going to look at what's my end of the year bonus. Maybe what's what's the you know. You know my, my projection for two thousand and nineteen and you say, based on those numbers, I can do x amount and to some degree you know that that's great budgeting, but a faith promise requires faith and it has little to nothing to do with you and everything to do with a belief that God is mighty that he's all powerful, and that he can provide whatever and by faith you're saying God. What do you want to do through me? Use me as a conduit to seeing the gospel advanced all across the world. I thought Pastor Dan Betzer in his book, he, he said it well. He said that if you write down on your um, faith promise something and after the service, you drop it in the offering basket and, and you feel pretty good about it. You're like, yeah, I, I can handle that. Then it probably wasn't a faith promise. Like a faith promise should be something that, that causes us to feel uncomfortable. It's something that causes us to stay up tonight and say, Oh, Lord, what did I do? I've got to pray more. I've got to believe more. I, I've got to stretch more. I, sometimes well, I was sitting here right before service, and, and we were doing worship, and it, what a fantastic time of worship. But I felt the Lord put this word in my heart. And he said this, that he wants to birth an Isaac dream inside of you. You're like, what in the world does that mean? All right. Sarah, she was like 90 years old. And all of a sudden God spoke to Sarah and said, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him Isaac. And you know what happened? She had this actual laugh out loud moment where she began to laugh because she knew what God had birthed inside of her, what God had told her, this dream was absolutely impossible. That's the kind of thing that God wants to do this morning. That God wants to birth something inside of you that maybe in the natural you say, there's no way. There's no way I could stretch that much. There's no way I could give that much. But God's going to put that inside of you. A dream to say, I want to plant churches. I, I want to build schools. I, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. This, uh, the, this I'll be closing in some minutes here. But this past week, God has just really been... Um, uh, I think because of this morning, really been bothering me. I, I really believe that sometimes whenever you have to challenge people, God's like, i got to do first. And um, a couple things happened. Uh, one is that on that plane ride home I was sharing earlier, um, God, before I landed, God spoke to me, and he said I was supposed to give $200 to a church planner in Houston. And so I was like, oh, for me, I mean, I'm a missionary, right? I'm like, where am I going to get like 200 bucks?" And so I, as soon as I landed, I find that, that whenever God speaks to you, I try to act quickly because I know that if uh, if I wait about like 10 minutes, like I might not be obedient. So immediately I landed and I gave to that church planter. Shortly after that, God put a dream in my heart. He said that, that I told my wife, it's God said in the next five years that we were going to plant five churches. My wife laughed at me. All right. She's like, oh, we haven't even planted one yet. How are you going to plant five? Those kind of dreams. And then, and then this morning I was driving in and and God started speaking again, and, and my wife asked me a question last night. She said, Ben, you're challenging people for faith promises. What's your, what's our faith promise? Like, what are we going to do? And this morning, I, God put on my heart that we're not supposed to just, like, for my family, I'm just speaking personally. I hope it's just real. God put on my heart to give not just $200 to this church planner in Houston, but $1,000 now, I don't have $1,000 laying around, right? Like, I, I'm trying to plant the church. I'm trying to raise $85,000. But when God puts it inside of you, it has nothing to do with you. And you're just all I am is a conduit of what God wants to do through me. That I'm going to believe, okay, God, I don't know where this money's going to come from. But God... I want to see that miracle. A lot of us in this room maybe are waiting for God to do a miracle through you, saying, God, I'm waiting for your provision. I'm, I'm waiting till my budget gets in line. I'm, I'm waiting for that next big break. I'm, I'm waiting for, you know, my, my business to take off. And God's saying that, man, I've entrusted you with something right now. Are you going to be faithful? And. So I share that with you this morning, and I just want to pray that God would really challenge our hearts. I believe that God has incredible things in store for Riverside Community Church looking forward. That God wants us to be an incredible mission where we say, we've done incredible things over the last 15, 20 years. God looking towards the future. Has been greater things, more churches to plant, greater impact to make in the nations. We have a mission to accomplish here in Peoria and to the uttermost ends of the earth. And so please join me as we pray uh, together. God, we just pause for a moment to allow you to just speak to our hearts. God, I, even as I pray, Lord, we, I pray that we wouldn't take this moment lightly, that God, that you want us to be a part of, of of being a part of your mission. That God, that's your it was in your your, your scripture so many times, a heart for the nations, that, that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world is a testimony to all nations, then the end will come. And God, we want you to come, Lord. Come quickly, Jesus. Use us, God. Use whatever resources, whether little or much, whether $5 a month or $10 or $50 or $100,000 or $10,000, whatever it is, God, use what we can offer, God. And Lord, let this be a missions year like no other for Riverside Community Church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.
1: Praise God. Praise God. You know, I said in first service and I say it again, you know, you probably have never heard of, seen Ben before this morning. But let me say to young people, middle-aged people, old people like me, you know, there are moments when God sends someone into this church and, and you realize that you have a formidable servant of God standing right on this pulpit. And this morning you've heard from a young man that has quit everything, given everything, uprooted his family, gone to a place where some of you had never even heard of and I'd never heard of the place that he arrived at finally where God is going to plant a church now, but, but the fact is that you have had a hero of the faith standing right here in front of you this morning, and, and I think that we need to thank God for the honor of having this young man right here in our church this morning. You see friends, we have from day one of Riverside believed that God wanted us to be a mission. Not just a missions-minded church, but that we would be a mission. In other words, that Riverside would be a mission to Peoria. That we would, as we belong to this church, realize that we're all called to be missionaries to Peoria. and And that God also was wanting us to see that his mission field is the whole world and that he would guide us and direct us so that we not only make a difference in Peoria but that we make a difference around the world. And and so God has taken us to places like the Ukraine where we have planted churches and built dream centers. And and he's taken us to places like Brazil and and further into the Amazon jungle. And we've built churches and planted churches and supported workers. And and he's taken us to the UK and he's taken us to many other parts of the world where we are serving uh, at a distance but that we are seeing great things done for the glory of God because we are a missions church we are a church that believes in seeing God's kingdom come his will done on earth as it's done in heaven and we are committed to seeing churches planted right around the world the greatest way to reach the world is to plant churches and God is using us and has used us in remarkable ways to see that happen Now over the years, every six months, we come to you and we present the vision of faith promises. Uh, You know, you may have looked on this as a pledge that you make, but again this morning, Ben has so wonderfully reminded us that these are not pledges, these are faith promises. In other words, friends, listen, right now God is seeking to get into your mind, get into your heart and, and, and get to say to you, I want you to believe me because that's what faith is, is believing God that I'm going to give you an amount of money and he's going to give you the amount that you have got to believe for and I'm going to have you to believe that says God For every month that you will give to missions through faith promises uh, and you will now make a difference around the world. Turn to the one next to you and say, you are intended to make a difference around the world. Tell them that right now. You are intended to make a difference around the world. And and I want to tell you friends, I, I already said to Ben, you know, he said that he believed that God had told him, that in the next five years he's uh, to plant five churches in Indonesia and I just affirmed that to him in first service as he said it, God witnessed into my spirit that this man, his wife and their team are going to see five churches planted in the next five years for the glory of God and I don't know about you but I want to be a part of that, I want to be a, a blessing to him from a distance, from Peoria, Illinois, that he will know that we are not only praying but that we are supporting him and so this morning let let me come back to these faith promise cards you are saying over the next six months I'm going to believe that God is going to give me over and above my normal giving to Riverside to God in tithes and offerings that I'm going to believe God is going to give me this amount of money and God's going to give you the amount to believe for and, and, and get ready because he may shock you, and the amount that you've got to put on this card may be well, I don 't know how that's going to happen, but the fact is God is going to make sure it happens if He's given you the thought, given you the idea, giving you the number he's going to help and he's going to come through, and resources are going to come for the glory of His name. so here's the card and and you notice it 's perforated. Because you tear off the bottom part and, and on that you write by faith I have committed to giving and you write in there the monthly amount that you are wanting to give it may be weekly or monthly it says on there I believe God has given me this amount that I'm going to believe for and this small card you put in your Bible or on your refrigerator whichever one you use the most all right Your Bible or your refrigerator. Okay, for many of you it'll be the refrigerator. But it's to remind you, I'm believing God for that amount of money every week or every month. I am believing God that he's going to give me this amount of money either monthly or weekly. And you keep that smaller card and the other card, the bigger card, you fill it in with the same information. You sign it. And uh, you give your name and phone number and email. We're not going to be chasing you down for this, but we need to have that information. Uh, And you put that into the bucket, the offering bucket that's going to come around in a moment. Now, if you're watching online right now, you're able to fill this card in by going to the Give button on your screen. And, and you will be able to fill a card like this in online, alright? So if you're watching online, please be a part of this. And, and now begin to say, I'm going to believe God, that I'm going to make a difference, that God is going to funnel money through me into his kingdom. And I believe that he's told you the amount that you are to put on this card. Now here's the other thing that we're going to do and we'll soon be out of here. But you know, this morning we've heard an incredible vision. We've heard from a man of God who has laid his life on the line. A man of God who together with his lovely wife and their two children are saying, no matter what the cost is, no matter what it's going to mean, we are going to serve Jesus until he comes back. And if it means going to Indonesia, we're on our way to Indonesia and he is looking to go back there. I want us to take a huge offering this morning that is going to bless him and going to send him out to do this amazing work in Indonesia. So we're going to take an offering. So, um, you know, I, I've just made sure that my offering goes in. I gave it to Robert before I came up on, on stage. I said, put this in the offering. And, and, and I want you right now to empty your wallet into it. Get your checkbook out. Make it out to Riverside Community Church Market Indonesia. or missions uh, offering. And we will make sure every cent goes uh, with Ben uh, to his goal of $85,000 to get him back and to see church planting happening in Indonesia. Amen? Oh, six of you. You're not having a big offering. I've got to get more amens than that. Come on. Amen? Amen? Amen. Every one of you said amen. Now let's fill these buckets with money that's going to bless this man and is going to take the gospel to people who have never been reached. They are never been reached missions groups, um, uh, lost people around the world, and in, especially in Indonesia. If you're watching online, you can also give online as well. And God is going to make us a blessing to people in places we could never get to and may never get to, but we can bless the man of God as he goes. So come on, let's come together. They're going to come forward and we're taking up this offering uh, that's going to bless the servant of God. And also the bigger part of your cards, you drop those cards in the bucket as well if you have filled them out. Alright, God bless you.